This episode of Neighbours is supported by Beamly, the social and content network for TV. Check out Beamly.com. Welcome back to Neighbours, the first edition of 2015, the podcast where we recap Neighbours because it's a great time. And I've got to say a massive thank you to Beamly for jumping on board and supporting us. You can have a look at Beamly.com. There's a stack of Neighbours content up there. And I've got to welcome back Kate as well. Thanks for joining me. Yay! First episode <laughs> back for 2015. And I'm Vaya. And oh, it, look, we took a bit of a break because there's too much of a good thing. Yeah, it t- turns out too much Neighbours is is maybe too, too good. Too much Neighbours. <laughs> We needed to detox. Particularly mm. after the last one where it turned into like a two episode extravaganza. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was talking about that last episode for the whole weekend. Yeah. A lot's been happening. Yeah. Look, they, they resolved the Sheila cliffhanger pretty quickly. You know, well, spoiler alert, she survived. Yeah, she's fine. And that was basically the only cliffhanger, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've missed a few weeks of Neighbours, but that's okay because if things pop up, we'll just mention yeah, them. Yeah, we'll fill in the gaps. Now... We're going to get stuck into a, the Big Australia Day episode, which started off this week. But before we do, what I want to do is tweets of the week, because there's some comedy gold. Yeah, there's been some great ones. And I just want to run through a few, because I think they will help set the tone yeah, for the week yeah, ahead. definitely. Little little um, tasters for what's to come. Yeah. All right, let's start off with one of yours, Kate, at Remude. Ooh. Thanks, neighbours, for tonight's moral. Never trust a junkie. Look, it's, it's a valuable lesson to it's, learn. It's really important. KMCG2375, did we seriously just avoid the whole Indigenous issue on the Australia Day app of Neighbours? Where was Nate's POV tonight? Yeah, that raised a very good point. We got into some great discussion with one of the writers of the episode on Twitter. If you just dig around in the Neighbours hashtag and you'll see that Mm. uh, it wasn't deliberately omitted, but it was still glaringly. Obvious, yeah. Obvious. Oh, Team Rebecca. At Team Rebecca always has some good ones. Mm. Completely irrelevant, but... Why is Trudy still wearing that god-awful pink shirt? It's been three episodes now. <laughs> Look, at least he wasn't in a bowling shirt because that's his, the other half of his wardrobe. Yeah, that'll be next week. And at Tim Stern, who I must say a massive thank you because he left us an iTunes review. Five stars. Love hint, your work, Tim Stern. Hint, hint. Yep. Lose back all pink-cheeked after another round of sex tourism. Yep. See, I'm not the only one who believes that. <laughs> no, it's, um, <laughs> it's widespread opinion now. Oh, and one more from Ajo underscore Melb. Sonia and Toadie are the new Susan and Carl, butting into someone's business, stealing their children and ruining their lives. <laughs> oh my God, he's onto something there. So that's setting the scene for what's to come. And let's go right back to episode 7046. Toadie and Kyle go head to head in an intergenerational Australia Day cricket match. And I'm not into cricket. Kate, how about you? No, not at all, really. <laughs> But you know what offends me the most about this? Intergenerational. They're not that far apart in age. No. I had some confusion. On Gen, the Gen X side of thing, there was what? Um, Toadie, Sonia, Mark. Yeah, okay. So we have Gen X. Mm. And then we have Gen Y. Now, yeah. I didn't think Toadie and Sonia were old enough to be in Gen X. Well, you see, look, I'm the same age as Toadie. Yeah. And we're firmly on the cusp of Y and X. And I'm only a couple of years younger than you, and we mm. I, I've always been made fun of for being a Gen Y. Mm, exactly. Well, apparently we're having intergenerational podcasts here now. <laughs> <laughs> it's Gen X versus Gen Y yeah. right now. But when did Toadie become so middle-aged? Oh, I think, well, actually, I think he's been gearing up for middle age for quite a mm. while. I think he's, he's going to be in his prime. <laughs> but, okay, so on, on the t- different cricket teams, okay, so Gen X had Toadie, Sonia... Um, Brennan, Naomi, anyone else? Oh, and then, yeah, Sheila was a ring-in. Now, you dropped a big bombshell on me about Naomi a few minutes ago because I thought, for sure, Naomi, pl- firmly planted in Gen X, right? She's in her 40s, clearly. <laughs> and Kate just looked up Naomi's age and the actress who plays her is 29. 29. Which firmly puts her in Gen Y. Definitely. And, but... There is no way she's 29. When she was going out with Josh, I thought it was a like the graduate. I thought she was <laughs> I thought she I felt like Naomi is about to go through menopause. I had no idea she was that young. Do you think her, her clock was ticking a la Lucy? Yes. 
Because the way, because Sheila is so much older and... Well, no, Sheila actually is a legitimate age to be Naomi's mum. She's not the legitimate legitimate age to be Kyle's grandma. (laughs) No. Unless, you know, Dud Dad had him when he was 15 or something. Which he may have had. Yeah. Very well may have. (laughs) Dud Dad, oh... We, we've um, we've said goodbye to Dad Dad during yeah. the, during our hiatus, haven't we? He's packed up his suede bomber jacket and left town <laughs> with his wads of cash, dirty money. Mm. So okay, so that, look, that's blown my mind. Naomi is twenty nine, but um, look, stranger things have happened on Ramsey yeah. Street. And look, really, she should have been bumping up the numbers for the Gen Y cricket team for sure. And so, who was on Gen Y then? So Kyle, Georgia. I can't remember who was the, young. The Turners and the Willises weren't even involved, none, were they? None. And and Christos and Nate weren't no, there. Obviously, not. they they would have made up numbers, being you know the other housemates. And the millennials were just ignored. So no Bailey, no Imogen. Mm. So it was just a well, strange they, dynamic. They had um, Dr. Carlin as a ring in. Yeah. That, then, well. then they decided that they, each team had to be handicapped by bringing in a baby boomer. Mm. So, so they they put Carl and Sheila in. Oh, I'd love I'd love the work cover inspector just to be spying on Sheila. Just saying, <laughs> clearly you're able enough to play cricket. Yeah. Um, get back to full time work. Yeah, exactly. Look, I don't have much to say about the cricket match. I'm going to be honest. So one of my highlights from Monday's episode was actually on Twitter, where the Guardian Australian journalist um, Russell Jackson, who is normally a cricket journalist got so bored of the actual game that was being played that he did a play-by-play on the Neighbours cricket episode. No way. It was awesome. So um, I'll provide a link to yeah. um, to that. It was pretty good. Yeah, at Neighbours Pod, we'll retweet it. That is adorable. Mm. Um, so I did glaze over. So who won? Can you tell me who won? Uh, X. It was X. Yep, and it was just at the last moment because it was aided by Bossy. Bossy, once again, Bossy. stole the scene. I did adore Bossy. Yeah. She's beautiful. So Sh- Sheila um, had to face the last ball did a bit of a dodgy shot. Carl was coming in to oh, get her out, whatever that's called. <laughs> and then Bossy grabbed the ball and bolted into the house, like the top-notch actor she oh, is. Amazing. And if you're not following Bossy on Instagram... I'll get on that. At Bossy the dog, get amongst it. Yeah. So look, let's go leave the cricket because I'm not, I'm not equipped. So meanwhile, Josh and Amber weren't in the cricket match because they are investigating a homicide, it seems. So Josh... Because he's a creepy stalker, and he can't take mm. no for an answer, has been pursuing Amber. He wants her back. He told her he loved her. He wants her back. And he's, part of his community service is cleaning out the mayor's office and found a stack of... Which is bizarre. weird. Found a stack of film from Paul's journalism days, Erinsborough News days. So Josh's like, can I have these rolls of film? And Paul's like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Paul's I mean, an idiot because you know he's been up to yeah, some dodgy if crap. I'm Paul Robinson. Years. I'm not letting any kind of documentation out of my sight. You know, he was married to a twin once. You know, he'd gotten up to something yeah. saucy. Yeah, I'm not letting community service workers throw out my trash. Exactly. No way. <laughs> and so Josh gets Amber to develop this film just so he can creep on her in the dark mm. room. And they find these legs dangling out from the bushes, like this dead, it looks like a dead body. Wow, look, some may say dead body, others may say somebody having a kip on the lawn. (laughs) Because frankly, I couldn't make that judgment call from the photo. One man's trash is another man's treasure. (laughs) One man's dead body is another man's someone having a lie down. And so they take this photo to Paul, like, mate, what's going on with this photo? And Paul is just sketchy straight away. Yeah, and he's like, oh, no, that's the town drunk, blah, blah. Which, um, I'm sorry that we've never met the town drunk. <laughs> he would have been entertaining. Who was the town drunk? Was it Carl during his alcoholic days? <laughs> well, look, from memory, the town drunk never actually existed. Oh, right, But, but right. that's okay. <laughs> so Paul then gets on the phone to someone from his past and says, this is about what happened mm. in 1990. Yeah. And but- I ask you, Kate... What the hell happened in 1990? Who was he talking to? Not a great deal happened in 1990. The Willis family came to um, Ramsey Street. Yep. But people who left in 1990 included Des Clark and Hilary Robinson, which we know from watching this year's promos are coming back. Yeah, and this wasn't my era. I didn't... So I don't quite know what could have happened in that year. So other people who were there that you'd know, though, was... Well, obviously Paul was there at the time. And Harold was there too. Mm. Imagine if he was on the phone to Harold just Mm. then. (sighs) (laughs) 
Harold's got a very deep and dark secret. Paul and Harold were in cahoots. <laughs> it's some some trumpet player from the Salvos. I know. Everybody thought old Murray died, but you know. <laughs> He was knocked off. Oh, this will be great. You know, if I was the, you know, like it was, it was like the Scooby Doo detectives. Yes. I would have just gone back to that tree and found the said skeleton under there because clearly oh, yeah. no one's found it. Yeah, if, if they were smart, which we know Josh and Amber are not, they would have gone to detective mechanic Brennan and said, "Help us out with this potential homicide." He, and he would have gone with his mystery kit and exactly, he is itching to take yeah, on a case. He would have been combing those blades of grass for DNA evidence. Look, Josh could have just gone down there and said, oh, this is part of my community service, yeah. picking up, you know, phalanges. <laughs> Josh is never at his community service, can I just say. He's always got his vest on. He's always just coming from community service yeah. or heading off to community service. We need him to set an example for other young men, violent young men, and show that the consequences <laughs> of your actions involve hard manual labour, not a cheeky latte at the waterhole in between Exactly. Shifts. You know, his mo- mother's cigarette buds aren't picking up themselves. Not exactly. And we round off Australia Day with Sonia and Erin having a coffee. So mm. Sonia wants to reunite Erin with her estranged teenage daughter. Oh, Kat, who we did pop up last week. Yes, and I love Kat, can she's I good. She's got sass and she really likes Toadie in kind of like a father-daughter kind of way. Yeah, so... She's confiding in Sonia that she's not sure about connecting with her. Yeah, and then the final thing that happened tonight was that um, Tarage went off to Canada without Brad. And his final word of advice to her, don't forget your DBT exercises. Which is such a romantic <laughs> note to leave your yeah, wife on. Yeah, Look, it sounds like a PSA, doesn't it, really? It's not something we say to our nana before she gets yeah. on a plane. <laughs> And so she's going to Canada without Brad because Brad got in trouble from Susan because he hadn't finished all his lesson yeah. plans and she doesn't think he's a committed teacher, which I agree with. Yeah, yeah. And she's all bitter that he spent a whole day and a half making a surfboard on his holidays. holidays. Yeah. Oh, and the most amazing thing, though, that happened on Monday night was Brennan comes running in to Sonia and Toadie's house mm. and says, where's Erin? And Sonia doesn't know. She's like, oh, she's around somewhere. Brennan goes... She's taken my laptop, my wallet, and my something else valuable. Mm. His wallet, his laptop, his watch. His watch. <laughs> Did he have anything on him? Like, what was he playing cricket with? Like, nothing. <laughs> and gone. She's gone. How did she actually leave while the cricket game was on? Did she just, like, kind of wander down the street? I'm just, just going down to Harold's, you know, like with a massive swag of, <laughs> of loot. With a, with a sack with a dollar sign on it. <laughs> exactly. And that actually genuinely shocked me. I wasn't expecting her to, to flee so soon. I know. Look, I was at least expecting Sonia to have a few more moral dilemmas yeah. and perhaps get back on the drugs, which I was secretly praying for. Yeah, it would have been a great opportunity. So that leads us into Tuesday where Erin has – she's gone. She's vanished. There's an Erin-shaped hole in the wall. Yeah. And then her daughter Kat comes in because she's staying over with Toadie and Sonia for a couple of days. Yeah. And she just has to look at Toadie and Sonia and say, she's not coming, is she? No. So Sonia's devastated, obviously, because this is all her fault. Yeah, yeah. And she's just got, like, tragic looks on her face. I'm sorry. With all your good intentions, everybody knew this was going to be a disaster and you've ruined Kat's life now. And Erin kept waving red flags at Sonia, going, I'm not ready for this, Mm. I can't cope with this. And Carl even says to Sonia, is this even what Erin really wanted? And Sonia's like, of course it's what she wanted. Like, Sonia, wake up to you. Sonia's the only person surprised that her violent, crazy, junky stalker turned out to be a terrible person. (laughs) Well, yeah, and so... Sonia just can't face up to this. And so she goes running around town looking for Erin and finds her at the bric-a-brac shop. Yeah, actually, what was the line that they used? Oh, yeah, when someone said to Sonia, oh, where, where did you go Like when you were a bit down and out? And then both you and I jumped to the conclusion of Grey Street, yeah, St Kilda. She's at St Kilda um, selling her wares to, to random men to pay for her next squat. And no, she didn't go to the red light district of Melbourne. She went to the second-hand shop in Erinsborough. She So she left town with a laptop and a watch, and she didn't even go to the next suburb's pawn shop. 
No, no, she went to to hock the wares at a shop two doors down from the um, bloody mechanics where Brennan works. Oh, across the road from his work and it sells antiques. Like, could you imagine (laughs) the proprietor going, um, I've got a cuckoo clock and um, a chest of drawers. The laptop doesn't really fit in with the aesthetic. I've got some dresses. They may have some bloodstains on them, but they're all right. So it's just really weird that she didn't go to cash converters. She just went mm. to the local antique shop. And like Aaron wouldn't be sus in a secondhand shop. Oh, yeah, mate. Here's me Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> and so Sonia finds her there, but Aaron does not want to come back. She can't cope. She's not ready. And then Sonia has to go back to Kat and say, sorry, mate. I'm sorry I filled you with false hope that yeah. your mum was coming back into your life because she wants nothing to do with you. Yeah. And poor poor cat had to sleep in Callum's old room, or as <laughs> as I like to call it now, Sonia's walk-in caftan robe. <laughs> yeah, because as we know, Sonia has um, Eve Morris had her baby now. Oh yes, yes she did. She, she had yeah. baby. It was a name Ivy? that sounded like Eve. Ivy. Ivy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sonia on the show is still preggers. But they're trying to mask it with, oh, yeah. with props Man. and can caf- and caftans. never-ending supply of bejeweled um, caftans. Yeah, and a lot of baskets, a lot of pot plants. Actually, my, my favourite bit from Tuesday's episode was when um, Toadie was consoling poor Cat, who was very upset yeah. by Aaron leaving, leaving and giving her a hug. And I was looking at the back of her head and thinking, oh, my God, Toadie is her dad. Why? She's got the same hair. She's got that same really tight curl. She's got his mullet. Exactly. And I actually um, made a little picture, which we'll upload to Facebook. Yeah. Have a look at that. It's the, She's got the same hairstyle that Toadie used to wear in the mid-90s. It's almost like they've given her a perm to match his mullet. Can you still get perms these days? Look, I don't know. Mm. It's quite incredible. But, you know, I was thinking about this as I was driving here today. Maybe, you know, like, Toadie just lost his virginity to um Aaron to Sonia's friend yeah well you know she worked on the streets he wasn't a very attractive man <laughs> they've both changed a lot in appearance since then neither recognizes the other yeah I would love it if it turned out that Kat was um his secret daughter and there so she's and then Toadie and Sonia have to raise her together that would yeah. be amazing all right watch this space we'll put the photo up facebook.com slash neighbors podcast now we've got to get to Sheila so Daniel's bar has opened up. Oh yeah, in this very location here, which yeah. is making things a little bit yeah, rowdy. We are actually in the Pirate Net Studios, which I refuse to believe is called the Off Air Bar, but that's what no. Daniel thinks it's called. He's brought in some lawn furniture and put out some jars, yeah, and I'm, now it's a bar. I'm currently sipping my drink out of a mason jar. Yeah, and so apparently he's been taking all of the business away from the Waterhole and Harold store. Yeah, which really, look, I, I do question their business plans. If one scungy hippie cafe yeah. wrecks your entire business, I think you really need to kind of reconsider A, your menu and B, your prices if people are going to this new place so quickly. Which doesn't even have proper furniture. So Sheila's solution to boost sales is to hire this hot Latino glassy. Yeah, and he is pretty hot. I'll pay him that. And he's just a Latino caricature. So his name's Andre. Yeah, and he was um, trying to do a bit of um, Tom Cruise cocktail moves and flipped his martini glass and just dropped it. Yeah, he's just breaking shit left, right and centre. But did you notice that in the extras in the waterhole, there was like a like a group of girls perving on him and a, another gay guy as well, which is good, oh, good news for Nate. Oh, there may great. be another chance for him. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, it's great for Nate to have options because yeah. Cruise is a dud. Yeah. Now, Lou and Bailey, Lou's back, by the way, from his sex tour. And he, so they want to boost sales at Harold's as well. Now, Lou, while he's over in Cambodia, has been working at the um, the, the Connecting Hands Cafe with his daughter, Mei Ling. Please tell me it's not really called the Connecting Hands Cafe. It's called that, but I actually think it's possibly more accurately the Connecting Hands Brothel. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit of mother, father-daughter brothel, brothel business. Yeah, it's a mom, yeah. and, mom and pops. <laughs> It's got a really homey feel. <laughs> and so, so Lou's taken inspiration from this venue and he, he wants to set up. What does he want to do to Harold's to make it more like Phnom Penh Cafe? Not quite sure. I think possibly if it was like a Phnom Penh Cafe, the prices would be like a tenth. 
of what they charge. And there'd be an extra back room. So he's Lou's worried about the state of Harold's, particularly because it's you know his daughter's main income. And so what he ends up doing is poaching Andre from Sheila. Mm. So he's a terrible worker, but Lou's like, doesn't matter. Um, he's a looker. We'll bring him in. Lou knows an attractive man when he sees one. Okay. Does How does Lou even have hiring power at Harold's store? Like Lauren's the boss. Yeah, I don't know. He does. I don't think he has a financial interest in the store. No, like he can't, he's, he can't just set up payroll for this guy. No. But then Sheila's outraged and she comes in and she gets a little bit casually racist. And oh, yeah. She says, She's... you're coming with me, my little chorizo. <laughs> And they keep calling him Andre, and the poor guy's like, it's Andreas. <laughs> but that, that is why I'd forgotten his name yes. and now just refer to him as Chorizo. Chorizo. So thanks for that, Sheila. And the, I love the fact that no one even calls her on her casual racism. No. Like, He's got a name, Sheila. He's got a name. Well, look, <laughs> let's face it, ethnic diversity is pretty um, low on, in Erinsborough. Yeah, look, still a bit of room to grow there. And we finish up Tuesday with Lucy and Chris, who are really boring me to tears, but oh, that's fine. They're watching birthing videos. Which, look, you know, I alluded to this in our last podcast, but I am eight months pregnant myself, and they don't make you watch birthing videos. <laughs> they don't. It's a trauma. And why would you even watch one when you're not even pregnant? Yeah, there's still... So what's happening is Lucy is Paul Robinson's sister, her biological clock's ticking, and so she's recruited Chris to be her baby daddy. Mm. But they're already, like, on the green smoothies, on the healthy eating plan, all that Trust jazz. Me, you don't need to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching um, your tweets and Instagram posts, Kate, and there's a lot of burgers and macaroni cheese croquettes <laughs> on your pages. And look, a healthy dose of Pepsi Max as well. <laughs> so, you know, whatever works. Whatever works. Yeah. Oh, Lucy, I was bored with you in the 90s. I don't need to see you now 20 years later. I think she's nice enough, but yes. Uh. But what, what I did find interesting in this story was Paul saying to Lucy, well, you've got to draw up a contract, surely. I'll get my lawyers onto it. And Yeah, which is I, correct. It's very sensible. That's what you need to do. I was totally with Paul on this. Like, this is a human child and yeah. you can't just go, yeah, yeah, you can you can look after her, him or her. Like, yeah. I'll just drop in. I'm 100% behind Paul in this. Definitely. And what sort of kind of shonky backdoor deal are they doing where, you know, they should be going through an IVF clinic where they yeah. go through Well, they counseling. are, but I think the clinic says she gets to DIY as well. Yeah. Well, she doesn't need counseling because she's just got Georgia dropping around whenever she needs her to. We'll, we'll get to that we'll get on to Friday. Georgia. <laughs> so, but no, these are all sorts of things you need to go through. And because you've heard about, you know, custody disputes, kids getting kidnapped because of contracts that weren't put in place. It's and... hard enough to come to agreements with your own partner exactly, about exactly. how you're going to raise your children, let alone some yeah. withered old stranger yes. from, from New York. So Lucy's deluded. And the, in a great manoeuvre, Paul just finds Chris and it just gives him his lawyer's card. He's like, give Tim Collins a call. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> or Toadie, if you like. And uh, Yeah, this... but frankly, I'd be with Tim Collins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and look, there was a debate that started on Twitter, and we'll revisit this at the end because we've got a question to put to you guys about your lawyer of choice. Mm. So Chris chats to Nate about it, and Nate's like, well, yeah, it's a good idea. Like, look after mm. yourself. And look after but the you kid. See, look, poor Nate's actually just looking out for Christos because Christos is clearly still recovering from his coward's punch. Yeah, he's still got his brain injury. Mm. Then Chris and Nate are like, actually, a contract is a good idea. She's a businesswoman. She's clearly trying to sharp him, so to speak. Yeah. But then, yeah. so they sit down and try and plan out this contract. Yeah, yeah. And um, Lucy, my favourite bit was Lucy's like, oh, well, you know, I've been looking at this school and it's a great one. It's, you know, this fancy private school. Which sounds fantastic because yeah. obviously she's paying. She can afford it. She's you know, not, she's on Robinson money. Exactly. And he's like an unemployed apprentice mechanic. And he now works at Lasseter's, but we never see him ever yeah. there. Um, and Chris is all like, oh, no, I want him to go to, you know, like a public school. I don't know, some ghetto public school in New York? Nah. No. No, no, no. no. Has he not seen Dangerous Minds with Michelle Pfeiffer? Like the American public <laughs> school system has some problems. Um, but then, then he also brings up the gem. Oh, you know, I want him to to play, um, you know, Aussie Rules. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. Also, guys, firstly, why don't you look up 
legal rights of IVF parents before you look up which school your unconceived fetus is going to go to. Yeah, or before you even like sip a like spirulina shake and, yeah. and watch watch somebody's birth. Someone's <laughs> labour on YouTube. Yeah. And secondly, why don't you ask your kid what type of sport they want to play? Exactly. Just putting it out there. <laughs> so we leave them and we'll pause and take a word from our sponsor, which is a little bit confusing because – we now have to differentiate between real sponsors and fake sponsors. But I'm fake. Sh- None of them are fake, surely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just here's a word from our sponsor. Watch it, mate. Jeez. 45 minutes in peak hour trying to get out of the hustle and bustle of the daily grind. I need to switch off the iPhone, the tablet and the fax machine and get off the grid. Come down to the off-air bar and de-stress. We got our furniture out of hard rubbish so you don't need to worry about wrecking it. And we serve our drinks in jars. So it's okay if you break one. But if you want an alcoholic beverage, you've got to come between 7.45 and 8.15 because that's all we could get a liquor license for. The off-air bar. If 7-Eleven is closed, go here. This is Neighbours. You're with Vaya and Kate. And we open with Lauren and Dad Cop signing the mortgage papers for the house that they're going to buy off their own kids. Yeah. Even though they can't afford it. Such an ill-advised financial it's decision. Terrible. They didn't even go and talk to a mortgage broker or an accountant or a financial planner. Mm. They're like, yeah, this seems like a bad idea, but we're going to do it anyway. We're not going to get any expert advice. Yeah, we couldn't afford to do it two years ago, so we must be able to afford to do it yeah. now. So Dad Cops go- goes into work. Yeah, into the darkened police station, which doesn't have any lighting. Look, there's been a few cutbacks at the Erinsborough Police Station. Yeah, actually, it makes sense because they say there's been cutbacks. Yeah, which obviously they, they only put half their lights on at any yeah. given moment. Energy savers. But it turns out that um, overtime is being cut back in Erinsborough, which um, poor Dad Cop was, was pretty surprised by, but really... There's no crime in Erinsborough. No, They're too successful at their jobs. Because Detective Mechanic Brennan is solving all the crimes for them. Yeah, pro bono. And so the dad cop was relying on this overtime to pay off his hefty $800,000 mortgage that he can't yeah. afford. And so he's down in the doldrums and his colleague suggests, well, mate, you can get a second job. Anyway, congratulations on buying your new house. See you later. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> poor guy's miserable. He's colleagues like there's so many somewhat useless men in ramsey street isn't yeah there? yeah he's all gloomy and he stands at the front of his house and just looks at it and then susan wanders along so he's clearly second guessing this huge financial decision and then susan goes oh what are you what are you up to and he's like oh i'm gonna buy the house susan's like that's great being a homeowner is a great thing and he's yeah. like i don't know i don't know why everyone's surprised by this thing Everybody assumed that they owned yeah, the house already like because no one, it, was, it was a secret from their yeah, own children. No one knew about the trust fund and that the kids yeah, owned it. This is yeah. all hush-hush. But Suze goes on to, to kind of crap on about what a great time it was bringing up her family in that street and all the good memories they've had. Uh, hello, you've had your husband cheat on you countless times. Like Libby's husband died. and You lost your memory. None of your kids ever visit you. But Susan's like, it's the best decision we ever made buying a house here. Location, location, location. As far as I'm concerned, Ramsey Street must have been built on an ancient Indian burial ground because there's a lot of bad luck going around. Yeah. And, well, I do like the assumption, though, that Susan just thought, well, they're not earning enough to own. No, like they've been clearly renting this whole time. Mm. (laughs) She has a fair bit of old baby boomer privilege about her, doesn't she? She sure does. She's like, the Mm. cafe owner and the cop do not own this house. So no, it no. was a bit patronising. She's like, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, they bought it off Luzicus. He was even a more unlikely owner of that yeah, house. Although he got he he came into some money from his deadbeat old man. Yeah, and then he put a pool in. That was ill-advised. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many pools on Ramsey Street now. Because yeah. now these poor actors have to sit and get chillblains in the pool all year round mm, in the mm, cold mm, Melbourne mm. weather. And now Dad Cop is about to get cold feet on the mortgage and backpedal, but he walks in and they're popping the champagne because the settlement's gone through. Yeah, oh man. So everyone's rejoicing, he's really concerned, and then Bailey, the little shit, gives his dad the most insensitive present I've ever seen. He hands his dad a thermos with a ribbon on it and says, this is for when you work all those overtime shifts to pay off your mortgage, dad. Tell you what, mate, this is when you start paying rent, Bailey. (laughs) He's a nasty piece of work, to be honest. He's been very brattish. Ever since Alice went to space camp, which, by the way, when is she ever going to return 
from. She's not. She's not. It's, it's just permanent space camp. It's like the Gold Coast of the, the new millennium. It's it's like Piper's exchange program. It's going to be a two-year space camp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's been bitter ever since, and he's taken mm. it out on his parents. Oh, look, we could start on Bailey, but I don't think I'd ever finish. No. Take your thermos and shove it. We'll leave that there because we need to get to... I think my favourite moment of the week, possibly mm. your least favourite <laughs> story of the week, was the rival rivalry that started up between the Waterhole and Harold's store. Blame it on chorizo. Yeah. <laughs> Don't blame it on the moonlight. Blame it on chorizo. <laughs> so because Off Air Bar has now been pulling in the punters. Mm, who are keen to drink from the mason jars and sit, in out, sit and on the outdoor furniture. Drink organic lemonade, which mm. looked just, oh. it just looked like they've decanted solo into a jug and <laughs> called it organic lemonade. Every time I have an organic cola in a cafe, I just think, why? Just give me Coke. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So now Sheila, not wanting to be outdone, has set up a brand new organic menu at the Waterhole. Now, both you and I, inner city hipsters, yep. that menu sounded fantastic. It sounded delicious. There was, well, except for the kale, but she said there was kale, there was chipotle. Mm. Oh, which she called chipotle. Chipotle, and Susan had to correct her. And I know, Sue's, geez, I, no. What I loved about Sue's is she was so on board this new menu. She was already ordering up off the menu before Sheila mm. had even read through it. And she, she ordered the labna with the mountain bread. Mm. I thought I'd order that too. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Sheila didn't know what those words were, mm. but I just love how on board Susan was. She's like, yep, sign me up. Be waiting for this new menu for 20 mm. years. <laughs> Suze has had her fair share of palmas and schnitzels. Yep. I'm, I'm done with my schnitz. I'm ready for my mountain bread. <laughs> so Sheila's like, oh, God, okay, I've got to deal with this new menu. So then Lou comes around and notices, like, he says, let's have a truce. Like, mm. let's not argue over, what was his name? Chorizo. Yeah. Andre. Let's make up. And Sheila's like, fine. But then Lou notices the new menu mm. and gets all in a tiz. He heads back to the uh, Harold store and he gets Bailey to help him, like, jump on Urban Spoon or whatever the neighbour's equivalent yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> What would it be called? Suburban Fork. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they've jumped on that and, you know, written a review. Slamming. Like totally ripping through the, the water hole. Oh, and it was bizarre. It was just really disjointed saying, I wouldn't touch their food or, you know. <laughs> if I was starving. <laughs> it's like something Homer Simpson would write. Yeah. It, it was really fake and weird. And so, um, because and also they've noticed, what they've noticed in the, in the write-up of the reviews is mm. that Sheila's jumped on and written herself a little fake review. Oh, yeah. Like a fake like, good review. Like brassy barmaid. Yeah, she's great. And they've, they've sort of yeah. seen through that. So they've written this bad review and then Sheila comes storming in to tell off Lou and Bailey and Paige, who are all in cahoots. And I'll tell you what, straight away, you do not want to be on the, the wrong side of Paige because she is um, all about family. She she threw a greasy like she's never thrown one before. Mm. And mm. we've got a photo and we'll put it up on the Facebook page because it is amazing. Yeah, it was great. Lou, Bailey and Paige glaring down Sheila. Mm. So then Sheila storms out of the cafe and she starts spruiking for the waterhole outside and she's in her wheelchair. Yeah even though she doesn't really need it. But, so she's outside handing flyers mm. to the Harold's punters. And this is probably possibly one of my favourite scenes of Paige this year mm. so far, when she comes out and tells Sheila to clear out. She's like, yeah. this is our turf. Get out of here. Yeah. And Sheila's like, no. And then, so Paige just picks up the handles of Sheila's wheelchair and wheels <laughs> her away. Amazing. Then Sheila starts pretending that she's an invalid, so mm. Paige tips her out of the wheelchair. <laughs> Which I actually think would be harder than it, she made it look. Oh, yeah, but she topples out. And the so the punters at Harold's, they just kind of stand up and look over, worried, but no one comes over to help. Oh, no, look, I wouldn't actually interrupt that either because they're clearly <laughs> both mental. Yeah, you don't want to get in the middle of that. Yeah. So then Sheila pretends she's having heart palpitations, mm. which is gold. And Paige is all like, you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And then she's hamming it up, but no one comes to help. And then Paige turns around and storms off. And then she tells the punters, the extras, sit down. She's fine. Sit down. <laughs> it was so good. 
<laughs> it didn't even look like it was scripted. It no. just looked off the cuff. She's mm. going, sit down. <laughs> My favourite. Now, Logie's voting is open. Yes. And I would put a vote in for Olympia and, Valance. Yeah, Olympia Valance is Neighbours' officially endorsed candidate for the Logies. Yes. So if you're going to vote, vote for her. And I believe it'll be like Best Newcomer or Most best Popular new talent. Newcomer. Yeah, yeah new get talent. in there, vote early, vote often. Olympia for, for new talent. Yeah. We, they need our votes because the Home and Away mob have got their oh, new talent covered. They have had it covered for about 10 years yeah. now. Come yeah. on. So then what happens is Paige retaliates. She and Lou come in to have a meal at the waterhole, which for some reason Sheila just serves them without any yeah. question. They're tucking into their tofu, whatever it was, mm. tofu stir fry or something, and Paige plants a used Band-Aid Ooh. into her food. <laughs> and then they do this vaudeville-type acting in front of the whole bar going, there is a Band-Aid in my food. <laughs> this is disgusting. Lou was twirling his moustache. It was great. So... All the customers are shaking their heads. Suitably revolted. Sheila kicks them out and then she comes around to Harold's store kitchen, just wanders in, no one stops her, yeah. with a shoebox and then releases a mouse into the kitchen. Now you see, that's escalation right there. That is hideous. Yeah. Like, that could get the whole business shut down and fired and there's a brand new mortgage that the Turners have to pay. Um, and need I point out that the Waterhole's kitchen is right next door. So they'd be investigating the waterhole as well. Definitely. And then this is a golden moment where Lauren just busts Sheila with the mouse and then goes, what are you doing? And then she hauls Sheila and Lou and Paige mm. all in a line and say, and then just tells them off like them, she's their mum. Yeah. And it is adorable. And then makes them all apologise to each other. Yeah. And they've got to go, sorry, Lou's, sorry that I... You know all the Lou and <laughs> Sheila problems would just be settled. If they cut out the earth and, oh, yeah. and bang like they the, gotta, the rip, oldies they are. They've got to rip their clothes off. They've got to jump into Sheila's, the Canning's hot tub. <laughs> oh. You can just see Lou, the, the colour like puce he would turn <laughs> in the hot tub. <laughs> um, there's an image. Now, then Lauren says, I'm settling this. We're joining forces. When the Erinsborough Festival comes to town, we're going to have a joint booth. And Harold's will supply the cheese and the waterhole will supply the wine. Yeah, which surprised me really that Harold's does stock gourmet cheeses. Yeah, I didn't know they had a fridge that didn't stock just the drinks. Well, look, it's Aaron's Barrett, so it could just well be craft slices. Or or just like Cole's brand brie. In the... Yeah, actually what it is, it's probably Baby Bell. They don't have to baby refrigerate Bell. it. <laughs> it's just delicious. I wouldn't mind some Baby Bell at a festival. <laughs> and that was, look, I got a lot of joy out of that, I must say. I, mm. I wasn't expecting to, but... That was good quality mm. hijinks. <laughs> or or you could look at it from the perspective, is it this week's Ceramic Pig storyline? Yeah, look, so the Ceramic Pig was when Carl decided he wanted a pet and to fill the void, he bought an oversized mm. ceramic lawn ornament. Yeah, a- apropos of absolutely nothing. Bizarre. And we were debating, Kate and I on Twitter were saying, oh, is this the Ceramic Pig of this week? And we do have another candidate for this week yeah. for a ceramic pig storyline. coming up. And she said, is, is the rivalry, is this a ceramic pig story? And I disagree. I think it was gold. I think it held its own. <laughs> I don't think it was a ceramic pig. But you can let us know during the week at Neighbours Pod if you notice a story that you think... Is a bit nonsensey. Yeah. It doesn't really relate to anything else going on in the street. It makes you think of our friend the ceramic pig. Yeah. And let us know so we know which one to... Mm. classify appropriately mm. so now thursday right pool party yeah it's a party oh this is a great week i love parties on soap operas mm. i love them because they've got to flesh them out with extras that we don't care about mm, mm, mm. and they're finally acknowledging that melbourne is allegedly in summer at the moment yeah. as well and we've got to have um unlicensed music or production music yeah yeah no um alcohol in any form nothing from the aria charts <laughs> <laughs> Although they used to, back in the day, get a bit of... No, every now and then. There'd be a lot of S2S. Sister to sister used to get a lot of airtime. Any... Oh, I'm going to have to check through my old tweets yeah. because a couple of weeks ago they had Hunters and Collectors on, actually, when um, Brad. Brad, Brad was making his surfboard. And I thought, well, that's it. They've blown the budget for the whole year. Yeah, now. exactly. They've like, licensed two songs. That was, that was amazing. And there was about mm. eight seconds of that song, too. Mm. So, okay, before, before we jump in, the, I'll touch briefly on Dad Cop. He's just phoning around for extra gigs and mm. he lands on like some security guard work. Mm, so mm. watch this Which, space. Call me Nostradamus, Kate, here. <laughs> but you know he's going to end up being a nightclub bouncer and he's going to be trying to hide it from his family. 
But yeah. on one of their very infrequent trips to the city, the kids will all discover him working the door at a nightclub oh, and that'll be a storyline. And they'll be mortified. You know what? I is... 100% guarantee this. This is just like when Homer had to take an extra job to pay for Lisa's pony on The Simpsons <laughs> and he was working 23 and a half hours a day yeah. and collapsing. This is what's going to mm. happen. He's going to get burnout from his security work mm, mm. and his cop work and he's going to drop the ball and like shoot the wrong person or something. Oh, hopefully it's Josh. <laughs> he's hoping. It's either going to be that or he's going to be coward punched possibly by Josh yeah. at the nightclub. Yeah. Mm. All right. So we'll jump into the party. So Paige is sitting around with Amber and Imogen. She says they've got to get ready for uni life. Uni starts soon. You girls... Did Paige go to uni? I don't think so. No. No, no, because she she said she just went to the parties. She just rocked up at O-Week and just got Mm. amongst it. More power to her. She was saying that she was um, biologically incapable of throwing a bad party, which is a big assumption to make, seeing biologically she's half Lauren. She's not a great party goer. And she's half Brad. And he's not organised at all. He's not (laughs) organised. He'd be in for a party, though. Oh, he'd be there. He just wouldn't plan it. Yeah, yeah. So that's confusing. So I think that's more of a, a more of a nurture thing rather than nature. Yeah, her her, her parents that are living it up in Singapore, <laughs> yeah. they threw a good party. Exactly. And she says, "Let's throw a party." Yeah, yeah. Amber and Imogen look at her like she's got two heads, like mm. a party. Which I'd expect Imogen <laughs> to look at that, you know, kind of strangely because she is like a yeah. real stick in the mud. But Amber, she'd be down with it. Yeah. Sure. Back in her Mount Isa days, she used to um, hang out with Robbo. Robbo would have thrown a great party. Yeah. She, yeah, Amber's trying to find herself. She'd love to kick her heels back. So, kick her heels up. So, what is great is that as soon as they say, let's have a party, bang, next scene, mm. party. Like, mm. they, they've got blow up palm trees. Bikinis are on. Yep. Hair is straightened. Everyone's mm. looking great. Facebook uh, invite must have gone out pretty quick. Yeah, smart. with no notice, people are turning nah, up. Everyone's yeah. free on like a Thursday during mm. the day mm. to come round to the pool, um, and including Brennan. Okay, well, you know he's Paige's ex boyfriend. I can kind yeah, of see Paige maybe there's a link there. Paige would have invited Brennan. Don't know how Naomi scored an invite. No, absolutely no, no idea. But how Naomi that happened. turned up in a strapless one piece, although, although looking very kind of Jones Joan Collins again. Again, I feel like she's forty. When she turns up like that. <laughs> she she is a saucy character and she should have been wearing a saucier suit than what she was wearing. Yeah, yeah. Instead of looking kind of like a yeah, pre-menopausal. Exactly. This is why I have the problems that I have mm. with Naomi. Oh, so then the invites go out. Paige invites Josh because he's her brother. Yeah. And Imogen invites Daniel because she's obsessed with him. Yeah. Oof. Gross. Paige is really good value. I wish she was my older sister. She's awesome. No offence to my actual older sister, who is also <laughs> awesome. But <laughs> and Paige just shuts down crap in, in, with no notice at all. So as soon as Daniel came over, she's like, oh, can you come and get us some ice? Brilliant. She played him. Just like last week, over two weeks ago, when she said to Josh, when Josh came round creepily mm. to stare at Amber and she goes to Josh, um, she wanted to be left alone. So yeah, can yeah. you leave? It was she great. just knocked, she knocked it on the head. Yeah. yeah, no. She's top marks. Perfect. Remember, vote for her in the Logies. Yeah. But staying on the page character for a moment, did you notice her tattoo? I did not. Okay. It's pretty big because it's like a flank tattoo. Oh. And she had a bikini on. But it kind of looks a little bit DIY sharpie. Oh, no. Yeah. What's it of? Some viney flowers, but okay. it's all in black. I reckon I've seen it on Tattoo Nightmares somewhere. It's it's it'd be a hard one to cover up. That's all I know. Wow, I love how she's just unapologetic about it. Just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I had a bender one night, got this done. Yeah, yeah. we're dealing with it. <laughs> but if there's look, if there's anything I remember, and look, it's not much because uni was a long time ago. First year uni parties, they involved getting really drunk on really cheap alcohol. There were pub crawls. Yeah, yeah. Didn't look. That fun. And, no. And look, no, no really, one had a pool. Oh, no. And look, to be honest, really shouldn't drink and swim. No, that's very good advice. <laughs> so she's st- Imogen standing around looking like you know, the normal sourpuss on. She was saying, oh, you know, Amber didn't invite Josh and Daniel's looking all broody and unkempt. And then, yeah, he just told her to butt out because she was meddling. And he yells at her. And then, yeah. so she runs off crying. Like, she leaves mm. the party and goes to the waterhole and just sits there and sulks. Yeah, because she was looking for her mum. But her, her, her mum's mom. in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Being a mother to her sister. Yeah. Um, so she ran into Brad there. Yeah, Drab, who we'll get to in a second because he's 
he's trying to do his lesson plans, poor old guy. He in the pub. In the pub. He can't sort it out. It's mm-hmm. his first problem. And he's trying to, he's like, I'll sit down with you and we'll talk about your boy problems. She goes, Dad, why don't boys like me? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, but he, he never gets to give advice. He just leaves, and then Paige mm. comes in and finds her and says, "Why did you leave the party?" And Imogen confides in her, and they have a DNM. And basically, Imogen resolves to be more like Paige. She's like, "I'm going to be more like you. I'm going to be a pro, your protege. I'm going to try and party more." And Paige is like, "Oh, are you going to have one night stands?" And Imogen's like, "Oh no, I'm not going to have a personality well, transplant." Look, to be honest, the re- there's a reason why boys like Paige. And don't like Imogen. One, she's vivacious yes. and sassy. And two, she's really hot. <laughs> and I think that's basically it. That's that's Paige's key to success. And, but also, she's not highly strong. And Imogen, oh, exactly. highly oh, strong. Like, yeah, no, there's a there's a stick firmly planted in yeah. um, Imogen that it'd be very hard to remove. Yeah. So anyway, we'll look forward to some Imogen getting mm. on getting on the party wagon. Now. Brennan and Naomi, we've got to touch on them. They're at the party. <laughs> it was the best. There is some sizzling sexual tension going oh on with God. them. It was great. And it's been a long time on Neighbours since there's been any sexual tension. Yeah. I haven't felt this wired up for a while. I'm so much more interested in this storyline than any like bloody love triangle. Like any of Amber's drips yeah. that, that I know. Are, Swanning after her. We've, we've got two consenting adults who are up for it. Definitely. And there was a moment a couple of weeks ago where um, Brennan did something for – Naomi did something for Brennan and then he goes, I'll think of a way you can make it up to me. <laughs> and it was so good. And then they just left it there. That's I love how underplayed yeah. it is. They're not yeah. immediately then talking about their feelings straight mm, away. It's mm. been brewing. And so – Now, going back to what we discussed before, um, Vaya did think that poor um, Naomi was a good 10 years older than she is. Yeah, I was like, what's she doing at this party with all these teenagers? Yeah, but look, she's only 29, which yeah, actually does make her a good five years younger than Brennan. Yeah. So he's still picking up the younger ladies. Because I thought – oh, yeah, look, I can mathematically I'm confused about the ages of all these people. <laughs> so – Brennan and Naomi are having all these little flirtations at the party and Paige clocks one of these conversations. Oh, she's not happy. No, and she says to Naomi, look, you want to be careful there because he's up for a good time, not a long time. Naomi's like, great. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. So Paige walks off and Naomi straight away just keeps flirting with Brennan. Mm. And um, oh yeah, it was just great. She was playing hard to get. It was all, um, and then oh, then oh then he says, "How does she, how does she ask him? Are you flirting?" And he says, "I am." Yeah, which I thought, wow, he's actually laid it on the line. Yeah, exactly. there. I thought they're going to dance around this for a am while. Am I flirting? But... Yes. Do I <laughs> do I want a relationship? No. And then they both basically agree on having a physical yeah. relationship. Because Naomi, for a moment, did look a little bit disappointed. Yeah, there was a little flicker, but then she's like, oh, I don't know. He's you know. Better looking than Josh. And better everything than Josh. <laughs> so she's like, all right. So they both basically put on the table that they're going to have a physical relationship mm. at some point. Mm. And they just leave it. Yeah. That's it. They just walk away from that. Yeah. It's going to be great. Oh, it's fantastic. I didn't think I was going to be on board with this, but I am on board now. So I've been, I've been trying to call it for a while now. Either, yeah, well, actually, that last year I was more kind of Naomi and Paul, but this is so well, much better. I, I think Naomi and Paul is end game. Yeah. Naomi yeah. and Paul end game. Mm, mm. So then we finish off with, at the party, oh. Josh and Imogen, mm. oh, kill me now, who are talking about living in the moment. And she's saying that Josh has changed and he's matured. No. No, he no. hasn't. He won't stop stalking you after you've told him 45,000 times that you want alone time and he needs to leave you alone. See, this is where, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that I, I do call him Pistorius. Yeah. Quite Pistor- a bit. He's Pistori Josh. Yeah. He isn't. Very thinly veiled, nasty piece to yeah. piece of work. He's not okay. And that evil grin he did in the dark room yeah. the other week when he got her alone, and yeah. she was completely unaware that he had oh, it's, an it's, agenda. It's very unpleasant. And I know a lot of people on Twitter do ship them and and love them, but I don't think he's a benign character. Yeah, guys, I think it's pretty creepy. Yeah. We've got a lot of consent issues in this country, mm. and the fact that she's telling him she doesn't want a bar of him, and he just keeps turning up. Yeah, yeah. As much as I dislike Daniel for being a filthy hippie. He wasn't as bad as Josh. There's something, yeah, there's no, a touch of evil. I want her back with Daniel. Actually, I just wanted to be on her own for a yeah, while. But. Yeah. So then Josh goes to the pash and that's why we leave the party. Now, 
Brad is doing his laptop work at the waterhole and he's bringing... This is why he couldn't go to Canada because he had to stay home and do his homework for Susan because she doesn't believe he's got the passion to be a teacher, which I agree with. She is such a hypocrite, though. (laughs) She didn't have the passion for teaching when she was off being a quote-unquote journalist and quote-unquote editor. True. And even, like, last year... Although, in her defence, she did leave the teaching profession to go and run the paper. Yeah, look, look, she's clearly got some smarts, but I don't think she's got a passion. She's not actually a teacher anymore either. No, she's the principal. She doesn't yeah. have any hobbies. Like, Brad's allowed to make a surfboard. Last year she was trying to be a bloody self-appointed counsellor for a PT- oh. PTSD yeah, so survivor. Susan, yeah, sort your issues out. Oh, look, and- I, to be honest, I'd be wanting to fire Drab. but Oh, yeah, which is fair. But yeah. just be honest about it and go, yeah. I hate you. Don't yeah. work for me. So he brings his lesson plan to Susan to check over. And I love, she treats him like one of her year 10 students. She's mm-hmm. just like, well, this is not good enough. You're going to have to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> just download one off the internet, Drab. Oh, like this. Hey, go on Pinterest, put in lesson plans. <laughs> so she calls him out and says, I don't think you're passionate enough to be a teacher and that you want to make surfboards. And that's your first choice. And so then he says... Um, oh, this is all about what happened to Carl, isn't it? Yeah, because Brad nearly poisoned Carl with his surfboard chemicals, which was gold. <laughs> Look, he must be pretty bad because, as I've said before, Suze would have some pretty low standards when it comes to teaching. I just don't know how they're going to flesh out this surfboard career when they never go to the beach. Surely... He hasn't surfed in years. No. I mean, even when he was introduced to Ramsey Street, he was introduced as a college basketball hopeful. Right. So he wasn't even introduced as a oh, surfer. Maybe he can rekindle the b-ball passion. <laughs> They've got a basketball hoop in the driveway. Look, it was a whole Fresh Prince kind of era back then. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see where that goes. And now we round off the week with Friday. It's the day after the party. Paige and Amber are putting their recycling in the bins. And she and she's confides in Amber about, oh, there might be something going on with Brennan and Naomi. That's weird. And then Amber says, oh, you're hotter than her, which I think, okay, that's pretty harsh. Like, yeah. calm, calm down. Well, she may be hotter, but she couldn't keep him, could she? <laughs> exactly. Touche. <laughs> and so then Amber says, oh, Josh kissed me. I didn't quite tell him not to. I don't quite know what the deal is there. And he just strolls on over and looks at her and Ugh. then wanders away. It's really weird. Yeah, I don't like it. I just don't. Like he it. comes. He doesn't even have an excuse anymore for coming no. over. And Paige is like, you've got to tell him what's what. Like, he's got no mm. idea. So Paige finds Josh at the cafe and says, look, what's going on, mate? And he says, oh, Amber just needs to realise that we're meant to be together. No. No. Amber no. is trying to sort out her identity issues. And... Which, frankly, long and ongoing. <laughs> yeah. So give her a minute. Yeah. Give her five minutes. Look, just, just look up her video on the net for a while and let that tide you over. <laughs> so then Daniel's trying to stalk Amber as well. And, like, oh, like I just hate that this is teaching young girls that it's... you are only defined by your relationships. And that's exact, exactly what it's teaching young girls. And yeah. I'm being genuine here that it's, it's not a normal relationship no. for some guy to be so – expect you to change to be like him. Yeah. And they're normalising it and I don't like it at all. No. And that's why I like that Imogen's been single this whole time, mm. even though she's still mooning after Daniel. Like, I like that she's pursued other interests. She became mm. a lawyer for a while. Like, she's... She... Yeah, I mean, and even Paige is a strong character. She yeah. wouldn't put up with that sort of crap either. No. And, that's, and Amber's just this pretty kind of victim. Uh, although they have, they've glammed her up a lot too since she they left have. high school. That said, she was wearing a drapey cardigan straight out of um, Sonia's caftan drove. Well, she did buy all those cardigans when she was going to join the cult. So she's, <laughs> she can't waste her money. She must be regretting her school formal photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wore this hessian sack and I looked really nice. So then Amber goes round to see Josh, but he's not there. And she has all these kissing flashbacks of the two of them. But then what the hell happens? So she goes off to keep thinking about her feelings and then is it Hermione someone stolen her car is it Hermione yes yes it is Hermione Hermione's back on the road back she's got a road. road worthy someone's jumped in and obviously they didn't fix the locks someone's jumped in and stolen the car yeah and hooned off down the road nearly runs Amber down and Amber falls over onto the footpath and she's like hey come back with my car yeah and then she grabs her phone and scrolls through and doesn't know which boy to call to come and oh. help her like how about you ring your dad, who's a cop? Like Exactly. How about you ring 
anyone else. How about ring Paige, who can solve any problem ever? Call the cop. Yeah, well, the cops. Call it's your a, dad. Yeah, exactly. Like, she's like, I don't know who to call, Josh or Daniel. And then she looks up and someone is there. Yeah, and she which says, I kind of hope is the person who was driving the car. Yeah, they've just pulled over and thought, sorry. Oh, I didn't finish. I'll come and finish her off. Yeah. I hope, I really hope it is Paige. But apparently it's one of the boys that she was choosing between. And who, that's... Who do you reckon was driving the car? <sighs> My first reaction was Imogen. A, she's got the keys to the car. <laughs> B, she's not 100% stable. Yep. And C, she, she is really bitter that Amber's getting all the boy action on the street, even though half the boy action is True. from her twin. I just had a new idea. What? What if it's Erin? Erin's come back. She's hocked off the laptop on the watch. It didn't give her enough cash. She needs and another hit. She's high. She needs to sell the car. So she's come and stolen the car. <laughs> Though, the, <laughs> Sammy No Pants said on Twitter... Oh, what are they going to do with the car? Sell it for scrap metal? <laughs> and I said, they're not going to get much. It's a soft chop. Yeah, it's the only car they could break into on the street. <laughs> All you need to break into it is a bloody Stanley knife. Yeah. So next week we find out who came to her rescue. I, look, I don't care. I, I'm more interested in who tried to kill her. Yeah, me too. And I feel that that would have been a better cliffhanger than um, Sheila having a heart attack. True. Yeah. Mm. And now... Lucy gets a distressing phone call, and the next thing you know, George is coming around and explaining genetics to her. Genetics 101. Now, you can explain everyone this to everyone, because I kind of glazed over a little bit. Yeah. And look, I was trying to make dinner at the same time. It's really hard, because Neighbours is on at 6.30, I'm trying to make dinner. But look, the great thing I got out of this is that Georgia is the every nurse now, so she doesn't just work in any one department. She's across everything, much like Dr. Carl at Erinsborough yeah. Hospital. And she's now a genetic counsellor. Right. Now, they're both carriers for some issue. It's like a muscle muscular atrophy. So both Lucy and Christos carry the gene for that. Yeah. They've got a um, 25% chance of the baby actually having this, having condi- this condition. condition. And um, they were both kind of shocked and amazed that they were carriers and didn't know about it. But that's what being a carrier is. You don't yeah, actually you have don't the disease. Yeah. And so Georgia asks them, do you want to go through with this given the risk? And Chris is like, well, no way. Like, Mm. I don't want to pass this on to a child. And Lucy is still keen as mustard. And then we leave their story with Chris just backing out completely of Mm. the baby deal. And in my head, I immediately thought, well, Nate's right there. Just get his sperm. Well, A, he's He's quite fit. He's virile. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Strong. Smart. Well, yeah, we haven't seen a lot of evidence of that, but we... Well, he's smarter than Chris. Smarter than Chris, for sure. It'd be a beautiful, beautiful combination of genes. Oh, yeah, that'd be an attractive child. A lovely child. So I think that's a great option sitting right there. But Mm. look, I'm glad it just stopped them talking about green smoothies for five minutes because I I was at my wit's end. And look, Paul is rightfully quite concerned about the 25% chance of this terrible condition. But, you know, Paul had triplets and they had a one in three chance of being evil. And when one of them was evil. (laughs) True. If you've got an evil triplet in the family, you want to think twice about passing on your genes. Now, finally, we're we're here. This is what I think is the ceramic pig story of the week. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll set the scene. Kyle is planning a trip to the tip, to the rubbish tip. And that's Chekhov's gun right there. As soon mm. as someone mm. mentions they're going to the mm-hmm. tip, you're like, something's going into the tip that's oh, not yeah. meant to. Now, at the time, I thought, it's going to be the blue box. Thankfully. It's, it's always the blue box. Hopefully. This time it wasn't. No. So Kyle's like gathering up. He's doing a tip run. It was cute. It was like, I'm doing a tip run, guys. And it costs like 25 bucks or whatever to go and dump your rubbish. So it's quite a nice service he's doing. Mm. If anyone's got any rubbish. I'm sure there's a whole heap of crap lying around Dialacol that could fill out that load. Oh, yeah. So he's doing the rounds of the street. While he's doing that, Lou's hitting up Carl for the latest draft of The Book of Secrets. This is the erotic fiction novel mm. that Lou has commissioned Carl to write under Lou's fake pseudonym. Oh. Because Lou can, because Carl can write sex things and it's, Lou can't. It's Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, which is great timing because the Fifty Shades of Grey movie is about to come out. Yeah, yeah. So they're really tying that in. If only they tied it in better, a la when they had the tornado, when the tornado movie <laughs> came out. Yes. <laughs> Finally, Susan Carl's um, sex bed could be put to yeah, use. Yeah, this is already a better tie-in than mm. the tornado. 
Now, Lou has set up a meeting with, is it a journalist or an editor? I couldn't quite tell who he was meeting with. I think it was a journalist. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I've got a meeting with this reporter. Um, I need to talk to him about the final draft. And Carl's like, I've still got some edits to do. And I love how Carl, like, he's been powering through this thing. Yeah. But the weirdest thing about um, Carl's writing technique is that, so he's actually just kind of Law and I, Law and Order style, ripped, ripping storylines from the headlines. Straight from the headlines. Because he's just taken all the anecdotes from people's sexcapades on Ramsey Street yeah, and he's, transcribed he's them. He's very au fait with what's going on in people's private lives. Yeah, he knows the minutiae of people's yeah. antics. So he knew about um, Paul and Sheila in the cool room and the glad rap. Yeah. Now, what happened there? Because I missed that episode. Well, I saw all the pictures. They online. got locked in the um, cool room. But they didn't do it, did they? Oh, God, no. And, you know, they were bickering at each other and they yeah. were very cold. So right. what can we make ourselves warm with? Let's wrap each other up in glad, glad wrap, wrap. To, together. Okay. Which I still can't quite work out how, how they, they did, did that. But, however, that's perfect fodder for some reason. Carl goes, well, that's sexy. Why wouldn't that be sexy? And he's well, written it up into a short no, story. No, no, Carl, stop thinking about it. It's not sexy. It's not sexy at all. You... They were actually just stuck together. It'd be like a sauna in that glad wrap. <laughs> oh, God. Sheila lost 20 pounds yeah. overnight. Yep. Yeah. So, um... Oh, but going back to Carl's writing technique, yeah. he writes all these stories but keeps their names in them. Yeah, look, he didn't have time to do find and replace in Word. He just put in Paul and Sheila, didn't bother changing their that names. That is fraught with issues. I know. He's like, oh, I was trying to keep track of them. Like, just call them, call them Peter and Susie. Like, keep the same initials. Exactly. <laughs> or, I don't know, seeing it's a sequel to a previous book, give them the characters' names. <laughs> so, yeah, well, Carl had some issues, but it's not like he's a professional. He's a doctor and a musician. He's, I don't know how he fit this novel writing in. He must have done NaNoWriMo or something. He got <laughs> quite a few words down. He's also a big, filthy perv. True. He's got a lot on. Mm. He doesn't have time to change names. So Lou, Sheila's trying to talk to Lou about the wine and cheese for the festival, but Lou's preoccupied with choosing the cover art for his next book. Yeah, which is apparently just like a, a buff. Well, it looks like it could be a picture of Brennan from the Target yeah, catalogue. Yeah, it's just a shirt. It's just Brennan shirtless from the Target catalogue. <laughs> Job done. So Carl, Carl's stressed. He's trying to jot down the final edit of this book. And then enter Kyle. Kyle comes into the Kennedys to do his run for the tip. Susan's like, oh, thanks for helping me out. All this paperwork on the table, that can go to the tip. Yeah, and there was clear, there was an archives box there. Yeah, and then now come with me and I'll give you the rest of the rubbish. So Kyle takes it upon himself to clear every other piece of paper off every the table. Every piece of paper goes into the box. Yeah, why not chuck the laptop in as well, yeah, mate? Yeah, so what an idiot. So he loads everything up into the ute and drives off, doesn't secure anything, and then... Sheets of paper just fly off out of the box mm-hmm. and onto the road. Every page. And yeah. then who's there to pick them up? Sheila. Sheila just looked at this and went, holy cow, this sounds familiar, and runs over to Lou and says, what the hell have you put about me in your book? I guess, yeah, it turns out that the old um, Glad Rap escapade was hotter than we thought. Yeah. She yells at Lou. She says, I can't believe you're publishing this. Lou gathers up all the papers, runs over to Carl and says, they found the book. The book's been distributed, like oh, the book pages. Ceramic pig. Why didn't you change the goddamn names of these people? And that's when <laughs> Carl was all flustered and he's like, oh, I was trying to keep everyone straight in my head. And then the best bit, so then Susan comes barreling in. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. She's like, you wrote about the blue box. Yeah, I know. Carl. Oh, gross. And did he just keep the names Carl and Susan when he wrote I guess about... I so, but I would have thought they would have fairly comprehensively covered the blue box in... Oh. Um, first part everybody knows about the blue box mm. now so the blue box is li- something that lives under carl and susan's bed which has been alluded to as c- concealing any number of Ugh, anything sexual vile aids. you can think of is yeah. in that box so then lou's got to get to this journal meeting at the waterhole mm. and sheila's oh. just heckling so why <laughs> would you you know that sheila's pissed at you why mm. would you take your meeting into her bar when your family owns the cafe. Exactly. Why couldn't he have taken the meeting in the cafe? Oh, my God. So he Why is, is he having this meeting in the first in place? In a public location. And why is he even discussing the, the nature of his upcoming book? Like, surely his publicist could deal with this. Oh, jeez. So he's trying to talk to this, this guy, and Sheila's just yelling out, he's ripping off stories from the 
his neighbours and... And the mayor. It's going to be terrible. Yeah, the mayor's in hot water and... Then Paul comes over and he's like, if you quote me or mention me in this book, you can... He says, I'm going to sue you from here to kingdom come. And mm. basically shuts it down. Yeah. So because there's a threat of a Once lawsuit... Once again, Paul, voice of reason. Yeah, shuts it all down. There's a the threat of a lawsuit. The Book of Secrets will not be published. So Lou's got to tell Carl and Carl's response is... Oh, what ifs? What ifs? Who has he learnt the word what ifs from? He hasn't been a teenager in his house in no. years. Maybe Holly's love child's texting him what ifs. But maybe she just goes, what ifs? What ifs, daddy? <laughs> now, everyone is stoked. Everyone's so relieved this book's not going ahead. Everyone except mm. Carl, who's like, oh. He's crestfallen. Then it gets weird because Susan says, oh, you know, you did a good job. Look at this section. I really liked this section here. And he goes, yep, that was all my work. Mm. That was no one else's. It's got her, it's got her engine running. And then she's like, why don't you take me through your process for this scene? <laughs> it was icky. <sighs> it was so blatant. And then Carl goes, oh, okay. And then he he picks up the pages. Susan heads off to the bedroom and Carl starts limbering up. Oh, yeah. Oh. He starts stretching. It was, it was too much for 6.30. Much. It was, this is why Neighbours Needs, a once a week episode after called Erin's yeah, Borough After Dark. Yep. Because as Tim Stern on Twitter said, as usual, Carl and Susan getting sexy as I'm about to eat dinner. Yeah, I'm putting the pasta on. Like it just didn't go down well. Mm. So that, friends, is Neighbours for the week. Mm. First episode of 19, of 19, 2015. 1915. It's, everyone's doing the Charleston. No, it's, it's been a ripper. There've been some escapades and... My question, we have a question to you because we had a bit of a debate. So what happened during the week when Paul was trying to suggest a lawyer to to Chris Mm. to do with his custody of the unborn baby? Paul said, here's my card, call Tim Collins or Toadie if you want. Mm. So at Team Rebecca on Twitter tweeted, Tim Collins or Toadie Rebecca? Toadie Rebecca. And you and I. They are Team Rebecca. Yeah, well, fair enough. You and I tweeted. Tim Collins. Tim Collins for sure. Like, no question. <laughs> when did Toadie last win a case? No. And Toadie's all over the shop. He doesn't know what yeah. type of law he's doing. He's in Chile. He's busting his ass. <laughs> but Collins is just sharp as a tack. So then um, Kim Rav 1988 returned. Who in their right mind would choose Tim Collins? He's dodgy as. I'm raising my hand here and say I would I would certainly employ him over Toadie. I want someone who's going to win. I'm not... I don't care about the ethics and of this lawyers situation. Lawyers need a bit of dodgy in them. You For know? sure. You need them to know the ins and outs. They need a gift to the gab as well. Yep. So this is our question, and I want you to head to the Neighbours show page on Beamly.com. We'll start up a little we'll – po- we'll make a post and ask you, who would you lawyer up with, Tim Collins or Toadie, and why? Because mm. we're team, team Collins all the oh, way. Oh, sure, sure. He needs to be on the show more often. Yep. So we want you to tell us. That's going to be our, our question for this week. And we'll reassess our judgment if need be, but probably not. No, my heart, <laughs> my heart belongs with Tim. And that's it. It's so good to be back. Oh, Look, yeah. Back in the saddle. <laughs> <laughs> not not in like the saddle in a kind of Carl and Susan Look, kind of way. We're though. not in Carl's room. <laughs> we're nowhere. We're just in the Pirate Net Studios trying to enjoy a cocktail out of a jar. Yeah. Um, look, and there's look, there's plenty of decaf here if you want to pop yeah. by. We'll make a decaf espresso martini for you anytime. If you feel like it, drop us a review on iTunes. It's just really nice. You know, it's nice to know yeah. what people reckon. Or, or tweet us. At Neighbours Pod on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Neighbours Podcast. And at the Neighbours Show page on Beamly. We'll be hanging around there. During the week, just tell us things that pop up because it's hilarious. We want to know what people think. It's great. And Kate, thanks for coming in. No worries. I'm at Remude on Twitter. And I'm Vaya Pashos. Thanks for hanging out. Bye. Bye.